You ever come up with excuses on why you don't want to do something? Anybody? Anybody willing to admit that they're a, a professional at making excuses? Woo, thanks, Dan. One in my club, Dan, we'll have lunch today and discuss all of those ways we come up with excuses. Actually, I can't. I got something else. <laughs> excuses are a way of life, right? Uh, we learn at an early age how uh, to best get out of doing something. I, I'm, a, I'm a professional when it comes to coming up with excuses, especially uh, when the thing I'm being considered to ask to do, I already know I don't want to do it. For instance, if the sink is full of dishes when I come home in the evening, I have a lot of other things I need to do. You know what I'm talking about? Why did she just say down there, mm-hmm? That was weird. Uh, when the kids were just babies, I, I, I was a pro at coming up, up with excuses when we began to understand that their digestive systems were working just fine. You know what I'm talking about? Babies and diapers and dad. I had other places to be. Other things to do. Much more uh, important in some of those cases. I think most of us, as maybe Americans or maybe just human beings, we know how to become professional in excuse making. We know how to wriggle our, our way out of having to do certain things. We know how to say certain things. We have excuses for everything. We, we have excuses for work. Uh, we know why we don't want to do a certain job. We say things like, I'm not qualified. We, we have excuses uh, about relationships. I, I'm just not into you in relationships. Or I just don't have uh, time to invest in that right now. We have excuses for why we aren't at church on Labor Day weekend. Or why we are. We have excuses for why we don't want to do yard work or we hire Jackson Scribe to do it for us while we're away on vacation. And yet, at times, I think if we're honest with ourselves, if we peel back those initial layers, we can realize that our excuses can be realized as ridiculous when some other bit of truth is given to the scenario and we realize the potential we are missing out on when we give an excuse to get away. Years ago, I watched a commercial, a Nike commercial that I want you to see uh, with me. It features Matt Scott. Watch this, watch this commercial real quick. I'm too weak, too slow, too big, I ate too much for breakfast, got a headache, it's raining, my dog is sick, I can't right now, I'm not inspired, it makes me smell bad, I'm allergic to stuff, I'm fat, I'm thin, it's too hot, I'm not right, I've got shin splints, headache, I'm distracted, I'm exerting myself too much, I'd love to really, but I can't, I just can't, my favorite show is on, I got a case of the Monday, the Tuesday, the Wednesday, I don't want to do this, I'm going to do something else, after New Year's, next week, I might make a mistake, I got homework, I feel bloated, I have gas, I got a hot date, my coach hates me, mom won't let me, I bruise easily. It's too dark. It's too cold. My blister hurts. This is dangerous. Ugh, sorry, I don't have a bike. I didn't get enough sleep. My tummy hurts. It's not in my jeans. I don't want to look all tired out. I need a better coach. I don't like getting tackled. I have a stomach. I'm not the athletic type. I want to get sweaty. I have better things to do. I don't want to slow you down. I have to do this as soon as I get a promotion. I think I'll sit this one out. And my feet hurt. If you saw the commercial years ago when it first came out, maybe like me, you were caught off guard by that closing wow. 
Matt Scott has gone on to uh, win gold medals in the Paralympics, most recently in 2016 in Rio. At the time of the commercial, he was a 26-year-old who was asked to film this commercial and talk about all the excuses we come up with on why we don't want to do certain things, maybe play basketball. And then the reminder at the close of that, that this guy has won gold medals for playing basketball when some of us, if we were confined to a wheelchair, would maybe not consider doing much at all. In my own household, in our Sheets family, uh, one of the life lessons that we are continuing to chew on as a family, one of the, uh, the things that I'm trying to instill in, in our children, Jess and I both are having this conversation again and again. We're, 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 we're saying this phrase. It's three, three simple words that we're using a lot. I hear it coming out of uh, me. Jess uses more words than I do. But I keep saying to the kids, do hard stuff. In a, in a culture that celebrates, that uh, applauds, gives uh, reward for the, the shortcut or the easy way around, I, I don't want my kids to be uh, succumbed to that normal reality around us that says when something is difficult, when something is maybe too hard for me to comprehend, maybe too hard for me to uh, pursue, I, I will find a way out. This morning, I I want us to declare that it's time in spiritual terms for us to die to excuses and listen to God. We're going to look at a passage of scripture from Exodus. I I want you to turn to Exodus, or you're going to be able to follow along on the screen, but if you have your Bible, you can follow along on there. Or if you have your printed Bible, please feel free to, to, to use that. Exodus chapter 3 brings us back to the story of, of Moses before our passage of scripture this morning. Chapter 3, uh, Moses is tending to his, his father-in-law Jethro's flock of sheep. He's doing a mundane job. He's just living life. We know the story of Moses and his birth. and He was put into a basket and put in the river Nile. And he was found by Pharaoh's daughter. We know uh, that part he was raised. And then he escaped from uh, the Pharaoh's reaches as a Hebrew boy. Hebrew young man after killing another. And now here he is just kind of living life. And in chapter 3, we know the story. If you were raised in the church like me, maybe you saw this on flannel graph and got pretty excited. When Moses uh, is walking through the desert and a bush begins to burn, but it doesn't burn up. And he hears God tell him to take his sandals off. You guys remember that story of Moses and the burning bush? Chapter 3 is fantastic. And it's a great illustration of how uh, God chose in that scenario to speak to Moses through an incredible miracle. And Moses hears God call him. He hears the instructions God has given him to uh, help his people, the Israelites, escape from the clutches, escape from the slavery given to them by the Pharaoh of Egypt. Moses receives this call of God. And here in chapter 4, we catch up with Moses. I call him the king of excuses. Follow along as I I read chapter 4, verses 1 through 17. Listen to God's word. Moses protested again. I want to give him a whiny voice. Do you forgive me? 
what if they don't believe me or listen to me? What, what if I say the Lord never appeared to you? And the Lord asked him, what is that in your hand? Of a shepherd's staff, Moses replied, throw it down on the ground, the Lord said to him. So Moses threw down the staff and it turned into a snake. One of my favorite Bible stories. Moses jumped back, and the Lord told him, reach out and grab its tail. So Moses reached out, and he grabbed it, and it turned back into a shepherd's staff in his hand. The Lord told him, perform this sign. Then they will believe that the Lord, the God of their ancestors, the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, the God of Jacob really has appeared to you. And the Lord said to Moses, now put your hand inside your cloak. So Moses put his hand inside his cloak, and when he took it out again, it was white as snow with a severe skin disease. Now, put it back. Put your hand back in your cloak, the Lord said. So Moses put his hand back in, and he took it out again. It was healthy as the rest of his body. The Lord said to Moses, if they do not believe you and are not convinced by the first miraculous sign of your staff, they will be convinced by the second. And if they don't believe you or listen to you even after these two, And take some water from the Nile River. Pour it out on the dry ground. When you do, the water from the Nile will turn to blood on the ground. Verse 10. But again, Moses pleaded with the Lord. Oh, Lord, I'm not very good with words. I never have been, and I'm not now. Even though you have spoken to me, I I get tongue-tied, and my words get tangled. Then the Lord asks Moses, who makes a person's mouth? Who decides whether people speak or do not speak, hear or do not hear, see or do not see? Is it not I, the Lord? Now go. I will be with you as you speak and I will instruct you in what to say. Verse 13. But again, Moses pleaded. Lord, please. Send anyone else. I struggle with verse 14. Then the Lord became angry with Moses. All right, he said. What about your brother Aaron the Levite? I know he speaks well. And look, he is on his way to meet you now. He will be delighted to see you. Talk to him. Put the words in his mouth. I will be with both of you as you speak. I will instruct you both in what to do. Aaron will be your spokesperson to the people. He will be your mouthpiece, and you will stand in the place of God for him, telling him what to say. And take your shepherd's staff with you and use it to perform the miraculous signs I've shown you. Lord, would you add your blessing to the reading of your holy word? Again, I pray for transformation in our hearts. I pray for your Holy Spirit's conviction in our hearts that you would not let us leave the same today. In Jesus' name, amen. This morning, I want to take a closer look at the excuses and responses recorded in this passage. I think there's much to learn. As Moses does like me and comes up, With excuse after excuse after excuse and how God, full of mercy and grace and stuff I'm not made of sometimes. Again and again, here's the excuse, the pleading from Moses and responds. The goal of looking at this is to find the similarities that we have with the person Moses. 
when it comes to listening to God's call. Maybe in taking a faith risk, maybe in stepping out, maybe in saying yes to being a a front door greeter, maybe in saying yes uh, to be a volunteer, maybe in saying yes to take the next steps of uh, of being a faithful person in our our family relationships, maybe in saying yes into uh, doing something that we know God has impressed upon our hearts. Let's find some similarities. Let's take stock. Let's, let's look at this passage of scripture, this truth from God's word, and let's apply it to our lives. So let's look at the first excuse. The first excuse that Moses uh, is, is found right here in the first verse of the chapter. He says it this way. What if they don't believe me or listen to me? You hear the whine in my voice? As I've been studying these past couple of weeks for this message, I, I'm, I'm struck at how easy it is for us to celebrate Moses. Right? A champion of faith. And then we get to a passage like this. And and honestly, if I can be completely honest, I want to pass over uh, Exodus chapter 4 a little bit. I want to move right past it and and get past this. I I think it's a failure in Moses' part. And it's recorded for us for a purpose. So we can see that God can do anything. Amen? I want to gloss it over. I want to pass it off, but I think there's some things to learn here. Moses has just been commanded by God, and his first excuse is, what if they don't listen? God himself chose to speak to him audibly through a burning bush that was not consumed. He's never seen anything like that before. God is speaking. He knows it's God. He knows he is in the presence of the Almighty. And his first response to God calling him to do incredible things is, what if I'm not popular enough? That's what I hear in Moses' excuse. What if? What if they don't believe me that I saw you, that I talked to you? What if, what if they don't trust that I am who you say I am to be? God chose to outline in chapter 3 all that he would ask Moses to do. He, he gave him specific directions. He was unveiling his plan to help the children of Israel escape what they'd been experiencing forever. And Moses' first excuse is, what what if nobody listens to me? (laughs) Isn't this a familiar excuse in some ways? Isn't this, I remember this excuse in my teenage years, especially when it came to spiritual matters, talking to people about my relationship with God. I've told you before that I I, I liked it much better to let my t-shirts do the talking. And I wore a bunch of cool Christian t-shirts. The cool Christian t-shirts back in the 80s were not very cool, let me tell you. I wanted those t-shirts to do the job that I thought God was calling me to uh, reach my peers, the generation that I was uh, involved with. And when uh, opportunities came up for those kinds of conversations, I just wanted to go like this. Jam for the lamb. <laughs> Coca-Cola shirt that was Jesus Christ. Like, that's going to that's gonna win. And I knew God was calling me to preach. I, I, I knew the lineage that I came from, and I ran from that call because I didn't want it. I, I didn't want to do what I thought God was calling me to do and what everyone was telling me in my life. Because I thought, what if, what if they don't listen to me like they listen to my dad? What if they don't listen to me like they listen to my grandpa? Where... This is a different generation. I'm not the, I'm not the popular one. I'm not, not very eloquent in speech. 
I think this excuse is rooted in, in Moses' case. I'm reading between the lines a little bit here, but I think it's rooted in the same self-esteem issues that we deal with on a daily basis. I say we because it feels better to put you in the same category as me. Well, what if they don't listen? Well, what if they don't trust God? What if they don't, what if they don't trust that, that, that you've given me this message today? What if they don't trust that you've given me this vision and this direction that we're supposed to go? What if, what if they don't get it? What if they tell me it's sad that I'm coming back this week? That's what Angel said last week. <laughs> you ever have that worry? You ever have that worry in school or your workplace? That if you are outed by the wrong person as a person of faith, that it's going to ruin some things for you? That it's going to change the way people talk to you this week? We've gone back to school, and our family, our two kids, Ella's now in seventh grade, and Ezra's in fourth grade. Yep, just checking. That's what I think. It's true. I was having that father-daughter conversation on the way to school one morning this week. And I I said, Ella, I'm I'm sure you're hearing things that you've never heard before. I'm sure you're experiencing things that are are new. And I just want to tell you how proud I am of you for being a light. And all the things inside of me were, were kind of like, you're talking out of both sides of your mouth. Because what I really want to do is just lock the door and keep her in. And, And I was telling her of some of my experience growing up. Of wanting to be enough of a Christian, enough of a light, that I was doing the right thing. Nope. Thanks. You guys weren't supposed to know what I was doing. I, I told her I wanted to be enough of a light to get by, but not enough of a light to, to be lumped into a category. Do you know what I'm talking about? That fear, that excuse of coming up with God's asking me to be a a salt and light in the world is not, there's no opportunity in in coming up with an excuse to put on the Sunday face. That's something we have developed for ourselves. That is not the call of God upon us as followers of his. As disciples of Christ, we are not given an opportunity to be part-time Christians. Amen? Amen? Oh, me? This excuse of Moses still exists, it still exists in the, in the church today because sometimes we're too nervous to put on uh, what we experience here, what we're willing to uh, invest in for the hour that we come and uh, participate in worship on a Sunday. Sometimes we're too nervous, we're too uh, worried about what people are going to think if they lump us into what we think they might. It's important. It's important for us to remember in this story, in this illustration that we have in Scripture, in Exodus chapter 4, that God's command to Moses to go and speak on his behalf, his ask of Moses, his call of Moses, he is not commanding that Moses succeed on his own. His command, rather, is to go, to do, to be, not to be popular. Not to win the accolades of everyone. God doesn't promise that everything's going to be just fine. 
do hard stuff. Yesterday, uh, the school that Jess and I graduated from, the only school worth attending, that was dangerous. Pastor, Pastor John brought tomatoes today, and I expected them to be thrown just then. Indiana Wesleyan University is uh, where we both graduated from and the only college t-shirts we allow our kids to wear. <laughs> Just kidding. Yesterday, they launched their football program. It's been uh, in, in the works for the last three years. They made announcements two years ago, and yesterday was their first game. It was pretty incredible. First game, they played against Taylor University, another uh, Christian university uh, right there in Grant County in Indiana, and a football program that's been in existence for 70 years versus a football program that was starting that day, and Indiana Wesleyan gave them a run for their money. They didn't win. That would have been awesome, but it didn't happen. Score was 43 to 31. It was epic. We got to watch it on live stream. I did some things trying to get there, but it couldn't happen, so I had to watch it on the computer. It was awesome. And the coach was talking before the game. I've been watching videos that they've been putting out on social media for weeks and weeks. And the coach kept saying things like, win or lose, we're going to do all that we can. Win or lose, we're going to go into this game and play with all we have. We're going to give it our all. Isn't that something that we celebrate when it comes to the football team? Like, can't I still be a fan of the Indiana Wesleyan Wildcats, even though they lost to Taylor University yesterday? They lost yesterday. They, they made some stupid moves. They, they had some mistakes. First-year program, of course there were a, a lot of mistakes. Uh, but aren't I still a fan? Didn't they go and not, not without a desire to win, obviously, But didn't they go into that situation with a desire to give it their all? We applaud that in in the sports realm. Friends, I, I want to applaud that in the spiritual understanding of our lifestyle. God wants us, God is calling us to full surrender. He's not promising that we're going to be winners all the time. He wants everything and he is willing to use it. Moses, Stephen, you. God's response is pretty telling. Moses, what if they don't listen to me? I love how God is God and I'm not. Because I, I would have used some lightning. I, I told you that before. If I was God, there would be a lot more lightning. <laughs> Maybe I'd down it a little bit to two by fours, right? God says to Moses, what's that in your hand? God's response, what, what, what is that in your hand, Moses? Good old Moses. This stupid stick? Response to God. God shows in the story that plays out in this scenario, God shows what he is able to do through an ordinary stupid stick. God, what if they don't listen? Moses, I got this. Moses, I can use even you. I can do incredible things. And God outlines for Moses what he's able uh, to do. I want us to know what we may deem as typical or useless for great things with God in control of it, with God at the wheel, with God at the beginning, with God leading us, anything, us Included can be used for his purposes. So, 
His first excuse and response reminds us, what, what is it that we have? What is it that, that we think isn't good enough, maybe? What is it that we think is a, an excuse on, on, on why I can't say yes to whatever it is God has asked us to say yes to? What is it that I consider ordinary or, or, or typical that if I truly see it as God in control can be used to change my neighborhood, change m- m- my family, change Clearfield, change the world? Excuse number two, <laughs> back to the story. Moses' second excuse, I, I can't do it, God, he says. Even after God shows Moses his ability to turn a staff into a snake and a snake into a staff, let's not get into the fact that God asked him to pick it up by the tail, and he does, idiot. Even after God turns Moses' hand into a leprous hand and then back to normal, even after God gives him instructions on dipping water out of the Nile and promising that if he pours it on the dry ground, it will turn to blood. After God responds with all of this, Moses still responds with that, that attitude of, I can't do it. Are you not listening to me, God? Isn't that what he's saying in verse 10 when he says, oh Lord, I'm, I'm not very good with words. Can you hear him? It's not in the language. It's not in the original language, but can you, can, can, can you allow me to be a little silly? Can you imagine Moses fumbling his words on purpose here? God, God I'm not very good with words. Remember, God, I'm just not the right guy. I don't have the skills that would be needed to do what you are saying needs to be done. God, I'm not the guy. I can't do it. Never have been good with words. I'm not right now, even though you've spoken to me. I get tongue-tied. My words get tangled. Moses' excuse resounds. And it sounds a lot like ours, I think, again. They're very real. We say things like, I, I don't do good in front of crowd. I don't do well. I'm, I'm, not the, I'm not that kind of a person. It's not within my wheelhouse. This is not what I do. I, I don't have the same talent as this person does. I, I'm, not, I'm, not, I'm, I'm not gifted the same way that so-and-so is. I'm not as good as. I'm not gifted in that area. I, I hate kids, maybe you say. We come up with excuses all the time on why it is we can't uh, do what is needed to do in kingdom pursuits. Again, let's be honest. This excuse is irrelevant. Moses is absolutely right. He can't. Right? He's unable. And his weaknesses are real. In my weaknesses, it's real. But if God is asking, if God is calling, if God is commanding us to go and make disciples of all nations, if God is asking us to be a part of a church family that transforms our community and the world, on paper, if we lay it out just on paper, we can't do it. The sooner we come to that realization that we can't, the quicker we come to the realization that if God has called us to, he's going to do it. He's going to do it. In my inability, my God is able. The excuse of I can't do it, Ezra was just having this conversation with me. Apparently, his teacher is bringing up I can't yet as a fourth grade response to all that they are experiencing in the first week of school. I like that. 
admitting that this math just doesn't make sense. Let me tell you, as a dad of a fourth grader, the math doesn't make sense. And Ezra is already starting to use that terminology. I can't, I can't do this yet. Dad, can you help me? No, go to your mom. <laughs> Thankfully, we have some math teachers in our church. God's response to Moses. Moses saying, I, 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 can't, I can't do it. You know how tongue-tied I get. You know how impossible it is for me to say, I, I can't be the guy. God's response, I love it. Moses, who gave you your mouth? <laughs> what a great response from our God. What a smack to the proverbial face of Moses, right? God, you know, I, this doesn't work. Who made your mouth? God, you did. I believe with all my heart that God's promise to Moses is the same promise he offers you and me today as he calls us to love him fully, to love people, to grow as disciples every day, to be his hands and feet, the physical representation of Jesus in this world today, in our neighborhood, in our city, in the world around us. God calls us and enables us. If he asks, he will be the enabler. He will be the resource giver. If he asks of us to do impossible things, he will see it through. But admittedly, we talked about this many times. We fall into the same trap as Moses, and we, uh, we begin to compartmentalize things. And we think, okay, okay God may be asking of this, but surely there's so, I, I, this is not for me. Surely someone else can do this. Surely, uh, God, you're making a mistake here. Surely, God, uh, if you were to truly call me, I would already have the ability you are calling me to do. I would already have what's needed to do it. You would just only ask for the things I already have. God doesn't work like us. His ways are higher. Thank the Lord. I, I believe with all my heart that the church of Jesus Christ today needs more of us to respond in faith to God's call. That we're not just waiting for everything to be where it needs to be to make sense. Do you do that? Are you like me? You plan it all out. It's got here. Here's here's the schedule. Here's what needs to happen in order for us to do this. Here's how much money we need to raise for us to go to Florida. Here's what needs to be in place for me to do this thing. We live by that motto in our family in many many ways, and in many other ways. This mindset of if God says go, I say where. If God says jump, I say how high, how far. God has already given us, you and me, everything we need to say yes to his call. But then Moses continues. And I think his last excuse is this. God, to be honest, I don't want to. After all this interaction, (laughs) after all this burning bush experience, 
Moses in verse 13, please send anyone else. God, you're not getting it. The entire interaction has been an example of what most of us have experienced at some point in our life when a parent says, go clean your room. And the game on our tablet, 2018, is more exciting than the mess in our room. And we respond, I don't want to. Human speaking, there's punishment involved. Amen? Uh Uh-oh. Check on my kids. In God's interaction, the excuse, I think it's borderline rebellion on Moses' part. He's continuing to plead with God. He is saying no. And, And I told you, verse 14, 13, 14, I struggle with this passage because it says God gets angry at Moses, and yet he gives him something else. And I, I, I think I hear in this passage, in, in Moses attempting in his last-ditch effort to ask if there's anyone else, I, I think I hear the same thing that we come up with, maybe, maybe not verbally, but, but within our assumptions. God lays something on our hearts, and we, and we go home and we think someone else is better qualified to do that. We don't have a lot of burning bush experiences, right? We don't, at the end of a service where we ask for people uh, to serve in the church, to find a place to to get connected. We don't don't have an instant, uh, everyone line up in a straight line. We wouldn't have many people come to church if we did this, right? Uh, Everyone line up and let's, let's talk to the pastor about why we're not going to do it. Should we do that? We're not. Instead, we go home and, and, and we begin to think of all the reasons not to. Someone else is going to sign up for that small group. Someone else is going to volunteer for that. Someone else is better at being an usher. Someone else is going to do that thing that needs to be done. Someone else will sign up. Someone else surely will help. Someone else cares more than someone else has more of a passion. You ever use that word? It's just not my passion. God's response to Moses, thankfully, again, isn't lightning. I still think it should have been. But in verse 14, God's response, then the Lord became angry with Moses. He said, what about your brother Aaron the Levite? I know he speaks well. I think there's pain in this response. I think there's pain in the moment. I, I, I don't know. We, we only have words. We don't have video playback. We don't get to sit with Moses until we get to eternity to ask him, oh, how'd you feel about that one? But as I read this passage, I have to, I have to imagine in God's anger, he's disappointed. And yeah, we, we pass over this passage of Scripture and we say, look, God is willing to use even people that are uh, faulty. And absolutely He is. But I wonder, I ask the question as I read a passage of Scripture like this, and I, I wonder what maybe Moses missed out on. What, what did Moses miss out on from uh, God asking him the first time to do, to, to do His will? And, and Moses continued to try to get around it. What, what did Moses miss out on? What did Aaron miss? 
receive in this moment that he wasn't ready for. I don't know. Yes, God can do anything. God did do incredible things in the story. And we have a positive turn of events. But that doesn't mean... That doesn't mean that some things didn't happen that should have. The lesson that we must realize in our understanding is that God will continue to accomplish His purposes. He will do whatever needs to be done. He will But he wants to use us. He wants faithful followers. He wants fully committed followers of Jesus Christ. He wants you and me. Chapters later, Moses goes up on Mount Moriah and experiences the presence of God and comes back to the children of Israel led by his brother Aaron having crafted a golden calf out of their earrings and jewelry. Foolishness as we read it, right? We would never do something like that. What if, because Moses was looking for a way out, an excuse, that part, that blemish exists I don't know what God is calling you to. I I hear God's call upon my heart. I believe God has called me to lead this church. I listen to God's voice that way. I don't have the privilege of hearing God's voice for each of your lives. So I don't know. I don't know where your heartbeat is. I don't know uh, what, what, what you have come up with maybe as excuses for why it is. Maybe you're not doing what God has asked you to do in a specific area. Maybe. But I'm asking that you hear God's voice and that you surrender to His call. Maybe God's calling you based on the the challenge that we have as a church before us to love Him and to love others, to grow every day as disciples, to grow as followers of Jesus or to be His hands and feet. Maybe it's something related to that here as a church. Whatever it is, whatever uh, difficulty, whatever you're facing here today or whatever you're going to face in, in the future, God is able. Hear it again. God is as able to accomplish it as he was to bring Moses and the children of Israel out of Egyptian bondage through the wilderness, through the parted Red Sea, and into the promised land. Whatever it is, excuses will abound. Remember, they're just as worthless as Moses's when known who is making the ask. Will you Consider as a follower of Christ to take a specific forward step of obedience to answer God's call. Would you stand with me in closing? No more excuses. Do hard stuff. Let's pray. Father in heaven, lead us. Call us. 
may we be faithful to you. Thank you for the story of Moses. God, I thank you that his story, his true story isn't whitewashed. That we see mistakes, failings in many of the characters from Scripture that we study time and time again. Thank you for using imperfect people to do your incredible kingdom work. God, I ask right now that you would instill in the the Hyde Wesleyan DNA that we would run from the excuses, that we would embrace a desire to do hard stuff that results in your kingdom growing. God, I pray on a personal level for each of us as individuals, whatever the hard thing is that we know how to run away from, we know how to escape initially, we know how to uh, steer clear of, Whatever, whatever that thing is, whatever way we try to wriggle out of, what you're asking. God, I just pray that you would bring to mind this, this passage, this story, this reality, this opportunity, and that you'd help us to take steps towards you instead of away. Help us to surrender our every day, our every hour, everything we have to your causes, to your purposes. God, I pray that you would bless us as we leave from this place, as we go through this week ahead, that you would unite us in continual worship of who you are, in Jesus' name. And all God's people said, amen. Have a great week.